0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 12-gauge uncut. I have here today the closer, Jarrett Diaz. Say hi, Jarrett. Hello, hello,
1: Rocky. Thank you for having me. I hope you can hear me okay. All the way up from New York. Thank you again for having me.
0: Happy to be here. No, man, that's awesome. So before we get into this, I'm going to do a quick, let's take a look at these highlights and let's let some of the guys see some of the skills that you possess here in the ring. All right, we're back, my brother, that's an impressive reel right there.
1: Thank you, man. Hey, shout out
0: to the editor, who's also me.
1: (laughs) I I, I like actually, I'm getting ready to drop a new one next month. So I do it every year. So that all of that footage was from the year 20, from 22, and like some of 23. So it was like my year four, or rather 21 and 22, my year four highlights. So I'm coming into year five now. So I'm gonna drop a new
0: one. Next month, we're excited about. So, so you've been in it roughly five years at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm about to wrap up year four in in the fall in October. So I'm entering year five. Hopefully, haven't overstayed my welcome just yet. I I, I seem to be at a in a good place. So.
0: Well, yeah, your your move set is very diverse. As far as I'm impressed that you when you said five just five years because who broke you in who was your how did you start training sure so i
1: i started at creative pro out on long island which to my indication is the best wrestling school in the world i i did a lot of my basic my fundamental training there and this was just before and then just just directly after playing college football which i did for a couple years but i didn't pursue wrestling until i moved down to florida and went to school uh, at Full Sail University, which has that partnership with WWE, which is why I went there. And while pursuing that degree, I continued to train. That's when I started doing it full-time. Basically who broke me in is, is Jason Cade, who is, happens to be a, a second cousin of mine, but he's wrestled with Impact. He was contracted with MLW for some time. He's done Revolver, PWG, he's, he's been you know all around. And he's not currently active, but for a long time he was very active on the
0: Indies. Okay. Awesome. Well, tell me this. So, so how big of a guy are you? I am on the books,
1: six feet tall, 5'11 to six feet tall, depending on what shoes I'm wearing that day. (laughs) And uh, I I currently weigh 186 pounds.
0: So you
1: wouldn't, you wouldn't exactly stop and, you know, be in awe at an airport, but I am currently in the best shape of my life. You're not going to find a lot of people in independent locker rooms that look and are in the shape that I am you know when you get to a tv it's a whole different level but when it comes to the level of my current competition I would stack my physicality up against just about anybody
0: absolutely and I would agree that was one of the reasons I selected you out because I like to see that someone who spends the time in the indie circuit it's sad how many people we see that just you know throwing on a set of tights sometimes you're scarred from seeing those people in sets of tights so. You know, it, it's tough because
1: it, it, I, I can respect it and I can understand it. Like we're on the independence, which means that we have a regular life. We have families or or shoot jobs that take that time. We have responsibilities. And, and you know, until this is your full time job, finding the gym is just another sometimes obstacle. But if you can take the time out and there are a lot of guys who do who take the time out and make sure that they present what they want to present and make sure that they have the look because if they are trying to pursue this somebody like me who's trying to pursue this full-time and, and make this their full-time career then you got to find the time or make the time
0: absolutely very well said well what what initially tell me about your early inspirations and motivations where, where did you start as far as what drew you into professional wrestling So I had had two parents that both worked.
1: So I was in the after school program and I was in like the fifth grade and some kid has a a PSP, you know, like the PlayStation Portable playing Smackdown versus Raw. And I this is 2006, 2007, somewhere rounding out that time. And I see a cinematic, like just a video game motion of Shawn Michaels hitting sweet chin music. And I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, what is that? And that classmate, he goes, oh, it's it's WWE Raw. Like, you have to you have to check this out. It's tonight. It's Monday. It's like 9 o'clock. I'm like, okay, cool. After some convincing, stay up after bedtime because I'm 10 years old. Stay up a little after the 9 p.m. bedtime. So I turn the TV on. It's like 9, 10, 9, 15. And we're jumping into match number one. First recollection of watching wrestling live on TV is Jeff Hardy diving off the apron onto Umaga. Probably hooked me in before we even hit the ground. I was set. I was in. And that's not to say I was the biggest Jeff Hardy fan right away, but it was wrestling. It was, it was the WWE brand. And and I guess that high flying style that really drew me in. And, and it's something that I still take with me to this day. Like, I mean, you, you said, it, I have a diverse move set. I have a diverse skill set, but high flying is always something that's going to be attractive and, and fun to me. So that was like, I guess my first memory of, of diving into like wrestling and fandom. And then after that, it's, it's it's falling in love with watching John Cena's stories when I'm a kid or, like, you know, hating Randy Orton. It's watching Mr. Kennedy win Money in the Bank. It's watching CM Punk win it twice. Like, it's, it's some of those early moments that, like, that era of wrestling between, say, 2005 to 2011, that sort of forgotten post-Ruthless Aggression but pre-reality sort of era that a lot of people poo-poo on happened to be the wrestling era that I grew up in. So, like, it was the stuff that I found myself falling in love with and of course as i get older i watch the older stuff i watch you know new era i watch attitude era golden age stuff even especially with the with the advent of the network and then peacock but that was my early introduction to wrestling
0: okay who would you credit give the credit the most for is that all those wrestlers that you mentioned there between hardy and Shawn michaels and i also Shawn michaels is my goat so i will have noticed when you when you did the suit your super kick that section was my is my finish as well and that's what they've called me the 12 gauge before is once you get hit with the 12 gauge nobody gets up mm-hmm. and so
1: i would say i would say my move set and my inspirations have they've somewhat evolved over time i, I when somebody asked me like what my style is i'm like yo like if you took ricochet and adam cole and you just made them have a love child it would be me and I, I'd like to think that way, but in terms of early inspiration, like who, who's the guy that I study? Who's the the dude that I do most film study of and watch tape. It's Shawn Michaels, because like you said, he's the goat. He's, he's my goat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So did you face any challenges coming in? So you said, so six foot, you're not really that short. So at 180 pounds, which is, I know in wrestling, it, it everybody thinks you need to be 300 pounds a lot of the promoters and bookers of course you're you're up north so maybe it's a little less but in the south here they they won't you know when walking the door they're like i i weigh at at my heaviest without putting on a lot of weight 235 and i've been asked many times like can you get to 300 and i was like there's just no way not without much not much. without special medications you know <laughs> right right and so no
1: so my challenges have never really been. Here's what I'll say: I was always a small kid. I was lucky enough just to play football at my size, let alone in in college at at the time, five ten coming in as a freshman, 165 pounds playing quarterback in college is like it's unheard of. I was I was a small guy, but that's something that I was always comfortable with because I trained. I trained. It was something that I knew was going to be an obstacle, so I made sure to do everything I could to. Build enough muscle to protect my bones, right? Because number one is like, how do I take the pounding, the, the, the physical demands that football and then wrestling take that they, that they demand from you. But it's also in the training. It's making sure that I'm explosive, that I'm fast, that I have proper mechanics, proper footwork. And that goes for both wrestling and for football. Like I was yeah. coming up in football and being the hardest worker in the room, hardest worker on the team, on every team, because I knew I was one of the smaller guys and those brought, difficulties. So in wrestling, I've, I've had promoters look at me and say, Hey, like, can you get up a little bit? And I have, like, when I started wrestling, I was 170. Now I'm up to 186. That's to me, that's a big deal because my body naturally wants to weigh about 160 pounds. So it's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's eating right. It's training, right? It's eating often. It's training often. And so far it's been on the climb, but is it something that I really sweat too much? No, I, I look at guys like Adam Cole, for example, or Ricochet, or Finn Balor, and none of them break 200 pounds, and they're three of the best wrestlers in the entire world, so uh, Gargano being another one, Ciampa being another one. None of these guys are breaking 200 pounds. At the end of the day, it, how you look doesn't have to be the biggest thing about you. It matters, but yeah. it's not It's not breaking any deals in, in this era, at least in, in, in my style.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that, and I think, I think Sean was really the opening door for that, because until until his era, there that, that, you really didn't have those people going. I mean, his level and size guys weren't getting championship belts past Intercontinental. You you, may, you know mid cards like,
1: maybe. Like, you look at Sean and you look at X Pac and and even you know Jeff and Matt Hardy to some degree, like not the biggest guys, but. If you show that you have the talent, the ability, the charisma, you can break barriers.
0: Okay. So, so you mentioned that you already had someone in the family who was in the business beforehand. So how was your transition into, because I know it's a little bit different going coming into every locker room, you know, in wrestling, it's a different locker room. So, we, you know, we've all, and I'm sure you've been through the same things. We still have the tradition of everybody shaking everybody's hands. We come through but did you is it still a tradition there do you is the new guy when you being green did you get ribbed a lot you
1: know i i i was lucky that jason sort of took me under his wing early what's interesting about that is that he's a cousin of a cousin so i didn't even meet him at all until i was getting ready to move to florida and pursue this full time so when i first got into training i was just like anybody else. I didn't even know that this guy existed. I had never met him before. I didn't know that he was a wrestler before. Like it was only, I was 22 when I met the guy. I had started training at 18, 19, like at least part time. So I was lucky to have him. And he, he, you know, took me under his wing real quick and basically gave me the ropes of, you know, you shake hands, introduce yourself, you stay out of people's way when you can, especially when you're new and when you're green, you help the ring, you help break down the ring, all of the basically all the the rules and regulations of breaking into the business, right? Who to meet, who not to talk to as well. That was a big one with him. But uh, did I get ribbed a lot? Not so much. A little bit. I want to say I got ribbed a little bit or like, you know, maybe given a little extra gruff, especially because of, you know, having a cousin who like sort of knew everybody, was was in the scene, had friends in high places. So like, I got maybe a little bit of a hard time, but it also opened the door for opportunities that maybe I wasn't able to, you know, get if I if I wasn't related to who I was related to. Like I was hanging out with Britt Swan and Matt Riddle at their apartment playing 2K. I was in the gym with like a Cedric Alexander or a Simon Gotch, like sort of breaking in at double
0: speed, is what I'll say. Awesome. Uh, that's that's impressive and it's a good group of guys to be there with, man. Um I just I mean, Monday night watched Riddle out there again. So that that he is one of those people that I think human Cesaro are nobody really realizes how strong those guys are. They don't look that that big, but when they when they can want to move, I've talked gut rich people. I think pound for pound Cesaro, Claudio might be
1: one of the strongest wrestlers in the, in the history of the business. Riddle, I think Matt Riddle is a perfect example of like somebody coming from the outside world of, of MMA and transitioning seamlessly. The guy's only been on Raw for a couple of years, but he's been doing this for a long time, you know, cracking into like Evolve in 2016, 2015. He's been wrestling for a long time and, and at a high level for a long time.
0: Yes, yeah. And I can understand the transition. I was, when I was become up, I was a Jeet Kune trained fighter. So I went from martial arts to learn wrestling. And so it it was, it was a lot harder transition than I thought it would be. So. I'm sure it, the
1: idea of you now I'm going to fight this man for real using these very specific techniques and all of a sudden you're stepping back and, and it's, it's something else entirely.
0: Correct. Yeah. So uh, as far as you're early, have you early, have you always been a high flyer from the very beginning? Did you know that's exactly the style or did you just kind of, you got into the ring and the adrenaline flowed and before you knew it, you were just, you were doing your dives or did you work into that? So
1: my, my wrestling experience leading up was technical, just like anybody else's. Like you have to learn how to do the most fundamental, most basic, your chain wrestling, your holds, your Your technique. The first time I had a proper singles match in front of a crowd, though, was with Jason Cade, and he was far too talented to be working with my green ass. So (laughs) I had three I had three things that I knew I could do and do well. One of them was a snap power slam, one was a drop kick, and the other was a a butterfly suplex. I knew three moves that I could execute very cleanly. And that was not enough because we had a 13-minute match. And it was a very like indie riffic style PWG thing, even for a beginner. Like, the one thing that I knew I could do was be an athlete. So, when he was like, All right, like, here's a move, here, here's a, an opening for a dive spot, because he was calling half my stuff, because I didn't have moves. I didn't have a moveset. I didn't have a, have a character. I, the only gear I had was hand me down from him. I was not ready to be in like a position of wrestling him, to be wrestling him, but I just, just went forward and he was willing to take me he says, Hey, this is a position for a dive. Do you want to do a dive? I'm like, of course I want to do a dive. So I, I whipped out that move that I now do almost every night, which is that big flip topic on Hilo over the top. And I I've always had the hops because I trained at it because of, like I said, being explosive, being an undersized guy, I knew I could do the dive. So I just went for it and I wasn't afraid. And, and that sort of took on a life of its own when it comes to my style. It's just not being afraid. It's as you saw in the clips earlier, like I did a moonsault off a ladder all the way out onto the floor. I will do a dive off of basically anything. It's a matter of not being afraid.
0: Yeah. And I respect that. There's absolutely no way you're getting my big ass to jump off the top of the ladder onto anybody.
1: Nah, it's, not uh, it's not for everybody.
0: I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. I wouldn't
1: recommend it to people. It is not the wisest thing that I do. But like I told earlier, my first recollection of watching wrestling is Jeff Hardy. So who am
0: I to say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm
1: I'm going to
0: do it. Yeah. No, I respect it. I mean, and then the fact that you can do it with no fear, that's – and that, that's really it because I, I know, and I saw in training, and even, no matter what you do in wrestling, hesitation is what will get you hurt. Absolutely. And so, well, kind of tell me about – a little bit about your, your upbringing. from What kind of home life did you have from, I'd probably say – Let's talk about the, I guess the school years, the the three and four year olds going up. I mean, you, it's because you you were in New York, New York, right? Is that where you were raised at that point?
1: Yes, yes sir. born and raised in the Bronx.
0: Born and raised in the Bronx. So, I, you know, I like I love the Lakers back there behind you there. So, yeah, you know, yeah, awesome.
1: My Kobe mural. I love this thing. So, yeah. sure. Let's talk about the upbringing. I like I said, I was born in the Bronx. Back in 96, my dad was a police officer, NYPD, highly decorated, detective in homicide, narcotics, and other, other divisions as well. He also played football for 20 years with the police department. He's a, a football hall of famer in the minor leagues, a hall of famer with the NYPD, very decorated in his field. My mom came to Puerto Rico at 18. My dad was born here. My mom came, came to Puerto Rico, came from Puerto Rico at 18, and they met. Yada, yada, yada. I had my sister and I. I'm the second of them. I have an older brother as well for my dad's first marriage. So there's three of us. Grew up, it was the a, a football house. You know, we watched football every Saturday, every Sunday. Jets fan and huge Jets fans. Myself and my family. Not my dad. He picks around, but I'm a big Jets fan. Growing in New York is interesting. Growing up in New York is interesting. You know, you don't really have like backyard life. You don't really have like not very nature y people, right? Grow up in the cities. But I grew up playing like sewer to sewer football. Like you grab whatever neighborhood kids you have and you just set up a football game in the street. And when there's a car passing by, you move out of the way because they will hit you if they want to. <laughs> um, moved around a bit, but you know, mostly in New York, very rarely would we leave the Bronx until uh, middle school. I, I went up in Westchester, which is like a, a County just North of the Bronx. Very different from where I grew up. Like, I was one of the only Hispanic kids, one of the only Puerto Rican kids in the town, so that was a different environment as well. I'm trying to fit in an the area, I didn't really look like everybody else, but it took some courage, it took some time and patience, and you find your way through it, just like any anybody in any you know wrestling locker room, for example. You're you're meeting people from all different walks of life. You're meeting people that are, that are different from you, and that's something that I've taken into my real life. Is like you find different groups and you just work your way into them and and make friends meet people and and get along as best you can I found myself fighting a little bit which I didn't love so I moved again and around this time I was starting to get recruited for high school in high school to play football in college so I was traveling a lot this helped me get get ready for wrestling too was like traveling every weekend competing all around the country I played quarterback since I was seven years old so by the time I got to high school I knew I was going to play in college and I was in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, Indiana, Ohio, basically traveling to different colleges and and different camps, working with different private coaches and just trying to perfect the craft as best I could because, like I said, I knew I was playing college. But the scene, the football scene in New York is nothing like the South. It's, It's a joke. We don't really take it that seriously up here it's very much a basketball place but I wanted to play in college so I wanted to make sure that I was trying to get seen as best I could I wanted to compete with the best guys that I can compete with and that helped a lot when it came to learning how to travel learning how to improve watch film all of that for wrestling I get to college out in Indiana I play for a little while and then I move back home eventually when I go out to Florida to pursue wrestling but I didn't, I could have did that anywhere, but I chose Florida because I went to Full Sail University to to get a degree in sports broadcasting. Now, Full Sail, if it sounds familiar, it's because they hosted NXT for years. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to get my degree, but I also knew I was getting into wrestling when I got there. So I wanted to work with WWE. And I basically spoke it into existence because when I got there, I met with my student advisor and the program director for sports broadcast. And I said, hey, there's this. Relationship built in with WWE. NXT is hosted here at the school. How do I get in the performance center? What do I have to do as a student to form a relationship with WWE? And after a couple months of asking and asking, a an internship was finally developed where I got to work in the performance center as a broadcasting intern. So I was working with Tom Phillips, who now is Hannafin at, at Impact, and Byron Saxton and Caleb Braxton and Alicia Taylor and uh, and Johnny LaQuasto as well, and like be in the PC two to three times a week working with the talent. I was learning ring announcing, color commentary, play-by-play, panel analysis. I was doing live event ho- hosting, all of those like non-wrestling talent jobs at the PC. So here I am starting my wrestling journey in ring at various schools and also at the Performance Center working with Rhea Ripley, and cash ono and casey canzaro daniel Vido, strickland 2.0 all of the all of the guys that you see now on tv whether it be on aw or nxt or, or wwe monday net raw or smackdown a lot of them that i was working with were very hands-on with us working with the broadcast interns so that was something like i said i i broke in at double speed that was part of it I was getting this wrestling education traveling to coconut loop shows and sitting backstage right next to Tom Phillips as he feeds lines to Mauro and Beth and Nigel I'm fully ingratiated in the NXT system all while going to wrestling school and so that helped my development tenfold
0: dude that's awesome no that was was, that was was fantastic I enjoyed every piece of that so uh, it, it makes my job easier if you guys can talk and i don't have to so and, and, and you're yes, very
1: uh, well if there's, I could, if there's one thing i could always do is talk <laughs> yes
0: and, and you do you're very well spoken you're you showing that you. that skill very well so man i have to i have to dig into your stuff because i've got a feeling you can cut some mean promos at this point too
1: i do but right. have- I, I, I got a little mean streak here and there but i just love to talk it's something that I went to college for it. I went to school to broadcast and to talk, and and that's something that has always been a valuable asset in my life.
0: Yeah, so, dude, that's awesome. There's so much there that you gave us for us. You, you brought up Rhea Ripley, and I mean, she's on fire right now. I mean, one of the best, wow. one of the
1: best in the world. Her promo, her character, her matches. She's she's unlike almost any other woman we're seeing on TV right now. She's also just got engaged, shout out her and and buddy. She is a a friend. She is somebody that anytime I see her, I'm able to pick her brain and and she's wonderful. And just one of the hardest workers, one of the hardest workers that I would come across at the PC She was putting countless hours in there.
0: Okay. Well, while you were at the performance center, did you get to spend any time with Sean? I met him once. I met Shawn Michaels at
1: what we called NXT Live, which is like, or sorry, PC Live, which is the Performance Center's basically in interior show. On the last day of our internship, we put on a full PC Live show with the, with the other with the other interns. I was doing color commentary for the show. I called matches with like Raúl Mendoza. I can't remember his name. His name changed since he moved up with Legato, but. De La Cruz, Toro De La, Toro De La Cruz, Cruz del Toro, Cruz del Toro. Yep. He was on the show. Ridge Holland was on the show. Austin Theory was on the show. Daniel Vido was on the show. Like all the guys that are on NXT or on level up or on even raw or SmackDown, like they all came from the PC. Like I said, so I was doing show, I was doing commentary on the show, but Sean was there because it was a PC show. So everybody was on hand. Bloom was on hand and, and Norman Smiley, Coach Smiley was on hand. I got A very brief, brief chance to talk to Sean where I basically just told him, like, hey, you're the first thing I ever saw in wrestling. And here I am now. I think that's pretty cool. And he said to me, that is pretty cool. I'm happy to have you. And that's good enough for me.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's cool. I Just to have a chance to talk to him would have been awesome because I just, of course, I know he's overwhelmed with so many of the same people that sit there and look to him as a hero growing up. So, good on you for getting to meet him and dude it's, it's awesome to hear that thing well, what i do have to get you promised is when when you finally make it and i and i'm gonna call my shot right now i fully believe you're gonna be in wwe programming in the future and probably the near future right. the you. skills that i saw with the, that video and just your your natural talent your charisma that you display man, that's a package. It's hard to put all that together and it doesn't come for everybody. So a lot of people, you know, kill themselves to get what little bits you have already naturally there. So and I love the fact that you work so hard for it still. So that's you know, kudos. That's Um, really kind of you. That's the dream. I mean, look,
1: we all we all fall in love with this business at some point, and we all fall in love with what we're watching. And I've I've worked at WWE as a Broadcasting, to. I've worked extra work with AEW, and and I've been in these locker rooms, I've been in these places, and I, I just I marvel at them, but I also realize like I can be there too, and it just takes the right opportunity, the right work, and the most work that you can put in.
0: That's that's how I feel. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, at this point, since I'm kind of coming out of the ring, I, I look at like and marvel at like Paul Heyman, the the brains behind that. And, you know, I'm trying to position myself in into the Indies where I can spot those guys with the talent and stuff like that and kind of help them push along. And that's why when I spotted you, I just had that good feeling and I looked at the thing I was like, I, I'm reaching out to him. I want to talk to him because I feel like he's going somewhere. Uh, so that that's going to be awesome because I want to, you know, I want to, you know, in time, I'd love to have, have you back and kind of, you know, you, you know, a year later and then two years later to see how things go for you because I got a feeling there's going to be some big stories there. i will be
1: happy happy to bring get get me back here anytime. I'm happy to talk to you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell me this as far as uh, what do you use as your finisher?
1: I use I use a crossroads. I call it the cross Bronx. It is a devastatingly traffic filled highway here in the Bronx. And so I'd like to think that it is just as painful to take the move as it's to sit in that traffic. So I use I use my version of, of the crossroads, the cross bronx.
0: All right. How did you develop it? Was it like day one or is this something that you played around some other things? No, this I, is the
1: it, I first the first fish first finish I used was a a cutter from the middle rope. And I literally just I started using it because I started using it in the video game before I even started wrestling. And I was using it for a couple of years in the video game. But I realized that I wasn't. How do I put this? there weren't a lot of fun ways that I could think of at the time to set it up. This was also, you know, maybe a year into wrestling where I just wasn't as creative and I I didn't have as much experience and in ring IQ as I, as I do now, but I started using the cross Bronx, the crossroads, because when I was coming up, like just before I moved to Florida, I want to say a year before I moved to Florida, I had already had some training, not enough to start having matches or anything like that. But I saw that Cody was running a seminar while he was still ring of honor champion at AR Fox's school, WWA four down in, down in Georgia. And my stepmother, my stepmother, I was still flying. She's a flight attendant. So my stepmom, I was still flying under her benefits where I was flying for free standby. And so I thought to myself, I'm like, listen, this seminar is $25, which is unheard of especially for a guy like Cody Rhodes, who's ring of honor champion, hottest thing on the Indies at the time by far, and had yet to even idealize, idealize AEW at the time. So I take the trip. I go down to Florida. I'd go down to Georgia. I work with Cody and I referee the matches that he was going to be giving feedback on for the people who were more experienced. And at that were Alex Kane, who's MLW world champion, Danny Jordan and awesome theory like some really talented guys were there and were just before me on that I guess on that chain of wrestling so Mm -hmm. I met Cody I had a, a really cool conversation with him there and with Brandy as well they're lovely people fast forward about three years and I'm at AEW for my first extra spot I don't end up getting booked but I'm there for an extra spot And I don't know how much you've heard about or if you've been backstage with AW, but it's very, at least at the Daily's Place era, because this was just coming out of COVID, it was very loose. Like you don't have to report to any single room. You're just kind of backstage or you're being used for what they need you for. So I come across Cody talking to one of the production team, a woman on the production team. And as that conversation ends, I start walking over and I say, Hey, Cody, I don't know if you remember me. And he stops me and he goes, "Jarrett from the seminar. Atlanta, and I, I, I lose my, sh- I lose my head because it's like <laughs> I haven't seen this guy. In, I haven't seen this guy in three years. This is the busiest man in wrestling today. He was still EVP and he was backstage agenting and he was a full time wrestler with AEW, busiest man in wrestling probably. And I met him maybe once or twice. So how does he remember me? But he did, and that just blew me away. So much to the point where now i'm I'm just one of the most I'm probably the biggest Cody admirer who isn't on an a w roster because it just it meant a lot to me and I met him a couple of times after that and we would always chat and and he was just really gracious, very generous with knowledge and very cool so until I make it to wWE and have to change my finisher, that's gonna be
0: something that i that I use going forward yeah. Well, that's awesome, and I, I love the fact that you had such good relationships and things like that. Because you know as well as I do, there's there's the great side of this business, relationships, and there's the people that would just there's knives always behind your back at the same time in this Absolutely. business. So
1: it's 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 interesting because you know I'm I'm a few years in, and I'm still very positive about it. I still have a, a great attitude about wrestling because I've had very few experiences that are Really negative, negative and I'm lucky for that I understand that like that's not everybody's experience it helps that I don't go into any locker room with any intention other than just to work well with people make a friend or two and just have a great night that's what I want that's what I want in wrestling like I'm out here competing I'm trying to be the best version of myself but I don't look at anybody as like oh I want to take their spot or oh they're coming for my spot I don't think about it like that maybe I should someday but right now that's not where I'm at and uh, it helps me have really good experiences, really good relationships in wrestling. And, and I just want more of that going forward.
0: Yeah. No, I would encourage you to keep that. It seems like it's, it's treated you well so far. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. Well, I guess we're, as we're starting to kind of wrap up here, tell me this, if you were talking to, cause we've got a, a lot of my buddies on here that are still training or they're still waiting for their first matches if you were giving someone advice right now, if you were sitting them down and talking to them to get to where you are, tell me exactly coach, uh, you know, coach the camera right now on how you would get to where you were at.
1: If you are already training, I'm assuming you've already found a place that you feel comfortable enough to train and improve and, and hone your craft and really find out who you are as a wrestler. That's going to be assumed for, for this piece of advice. My one of the things that have take that has taken me far in this is finding like-minded people. So when you're at your wrestling school and you feel like you're, there's a couple people that you're, you know, getting along with and you want to, you know, maybe work with them more often than others, hold that, keep that, and as best you can, don't let go of it. Quick story. Two of my best friends in the world, my two best friends in wrestling are... Richard King and Jay Sky. There are two boys down in Florida who have been able to travel a bunch. When I first broke in and that was at wrestling school, the two of them were tagging full-time and they decided that they wanted a third to come to a show with, with them to Georgia. And I volunteered because we got along. We spent a seven-hour car ride laughing and talking and sharing stories and just bouncing ideas off each other. Fast forward f- almost five years later, they are two of the closest people in my life. We talk almost every day. Why? Because we are like-minded people who share that desire to get where we want to go. But also because there is a, a phrase in my life that I, that I came across once and I came across it a lot since it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. There's strength Absolutely. in numbers. There will always be strength in numbers. And if you can find people who want to be where you are and they're willing to do it the right way too, hold them as tightly as you can.
0: Absolutely. that Dude, that's awesome. Love it. So, wow, that was, you took me off. That was good. That's a good one now. It kind of took me out of the, the space there. Well, I want to thank a you bit for of coming on with, with us.
1: us wrestling hey thank yeah. you I, I appreciate i appreciate you having me this was a lot of fun rock
0: so and, and we will do it again i will be reaching out to you again this has been fun and so do it do me a favor keep me up to date though put add me on add me on your facebook friends and so Absolutely. you know something happens hook me up and let me know what's going on if you come up i'm in i'm in georgia so if you do you wind up coming to georgia sometime let me know we'll meet up and uh, i find myself in the south from time, to time i,
1: I got a got a couple of a couple of Southern boys that I could hit up for a for a ride or a booking or anything. I'll be sure to let you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We need to get you on, and you'll see. I don't know if you have you Skrilla the Great. Have you ever met Skrilla? Ever heard of him?
1: I don't think I've met him, but I do believe I've heard of him.
0: Yes. So Skrilla is the most decorated champion in Georgia in the Indies. So he actually his podcast will with me will air tomorrow and then yours will follow next week. So so if you want to kind of get a little idea, see what Skrill is, y'all two will probably run into each other one time because I think your your roads are both heading toward the same place right now. And Skrill is a great guy yeah. and also somebody yeah. you'd love to I meet, I think. I hope so, that So, well, do me one favor, and I know this is something you'll, you'll be able to. So you said Erica is your opponent in a month from now.
1: Erica Damia yeah she and I are going toe to toe at limelight 20 for CZW combat zone which is a promotion that I hold very closely it's one of the places I always wanted to work and now it's a place that I am a mainstay main event player so I'm really happy about that I'm looking forward to the matchup with Erica Damia I just hope she can keep up
0: all right give me a promo against her tell her what she's expecting to come against
1: well, Rocky, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the story, but at the moment, I am I'm button heads with the one Zeta Steel. Now, Erica Damian made her CCW last week, her debut last week against one Zeta Steel, where she lost in a very respectable, very honorable match. And I assaulted Zeta repeatedly with super kicks afterwards. I think Erica took some slight to that. I don't think she liked the way I handled post match events. So she wants she wants to defend her new friend. That's fine. Here's the thing, Erica. You are wet behind the ears, breasts still smell like Similac, and I I am double-speed in this bitch. So if you think you can get into the ring with me and walk out unscathed, you are terribly mistaken. I am the closer. I am the best wrestler in CCW, and if you think that you have a chance, you don't, but sure, do your best. Come out anyway. It'll be fun for me.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, guys. For Jarrett Diaz. And Rocky Shaw, the 12-gauge. Until next time, beware of the 12-gauge.